minutes slow, so uh, we, will, uh, we will make a start. Uh, welcome to um, October's Cabinet meeting. Um, apologies for absence, John Lodge we're aware of. Otherwise, I think we're all present and correct. Excellent. Declarations of interest? Uh, yes, Chairman. Uh, Chairman, um, specifically in item 7 as an Essex County Councillor regarding the business rates of tension and anything else that relates to Essex County Council. Okay, thank you. Um, item 2, minutes of the previous meeting, are they a true record? Excellent, thank you very much indeed. Item 3, questions or statements from non-executive members of the Council, are there any? Thank you. Item 4, matters referred to the Executive. Item 5, reports from Governance, Audit and Performance and Scrutiny Committees. I'll, uh, I'll report from the uh, Scrutiny Committee. We had, um, we've had two meetings in the last couple of weeks on consecutive evenings, which was uh, an interesting arrangement. The um, first one, which was unscheduled or, or unscheduled until a couple of weeks before, was on the um, 25th of September because we had a, a call-in uh, that, that was on, a, I think, the last Cabinet's meeting decision regarding the uh, land disposal of land at uh, Davidia Avenue in Saffron Walden, which had been called in by um, councillors Asker, LeCount and Light. We, um, we had um, two public speakers uh, and also Councillor Richard Freeman who came on behalf of Saffron Walden Town Council. The, um, the committee did discuss the previous decision by the Cabinet and uh, ultimately it uh, voted by a majority to take no further action uh, in relation to that uh, decision so I presume that the decision has now been implemented. Um, there, were, um, there were a number of things that, that came up in the meeting which I believe and I think Councillor Light agrees with me um, because you wrote to me the following day <laughs> um, about how I think we could proceed differently in, in future and I've asked officers with some suggestions from me to draw up um, um, a methodology for handling calling meetings to make sure that things are done in the right sequence um, and um, so that, that will be coming back to the, um, the next um, committee meeting I think um, essentially, essentially a template so that we get if you will the case put first and then a response from the appropriate cabinet member etc so we're essentially working on improving our um, ways of doing things um, at the, w there was then the following night there was a, a routine meeting of the scrutiny committee we looked at our work program we had um, a presentation and a discussion with a member of um, Essex police regarding pavement parking and pavement obstruction by, um, by private vehicles and um, I won't go into all the details there other than to say that um, I'm hoping that that will be 
taken forward by, I was told that the communities team is, uh, is the subject that they will put their mind to and um, there might be action. The problem is that the police consider pavement obstructions to be a very low priority um, and uh, so it's very difficult to get them to take action. So that I, we will be looking for um, feedback uh, in six months' time on whether there is any action that can be taken to improve obstruction or to reduce obstructions to pavement parking or in particular action to be taken against it. We, you've got an item on your agenda later, Chairman, on the Air Quality Action Plan. The um, committee received that having previously recommended roughly a year ago that it, the, the previous version shouldn't be approved. I won't go into that anymore now um, and then perhaps come back on, on some points later on. Similarly, the, um, so, that, so the new action plan was supported. That's, that's the key. That's the key point. Uh, same with uh, street naming. You've got that on the agenda tonight and again the, the committee um, supported that. It had some reservations about uh, not uh, having streets to be named after people. But you'll you'll but, raise that but, at the... But I'll, pardon? I see you'll raise that under the... I'll, I'll bring that back later. Yeah. yeah. Um, and similarly, the same goes for enforcement strategy. Yep. So we, in fact, okay. we're paralleling your agenda tonight. Yep. Well, and, uh, yeah. um, so I won't say any more about that now. I think the only thing I'll just mention on any other business, um, I raised the question of what I thought at the time was a lack of response from um, the army regarding questions on um, Carver Barracks. That, that I put to them and um, I was subsequently concerned to discover that the uh, questions had never been put and I think that's a matter that I'd, I will take up outside this meeting um, and I think I can leave that at the present time but I, I, I did also advise the committee that, uh, that I'd written to you chairman uh, before the um, our committee meeting asking for a, an explanation and I haven't yet received that so I think um, it's probably best if we take that outside but it's, it's obviously up to you. Um, and uh, the, the committee is pursuing um, a program of uh, training for the committee sort of halfway through the four year yep. term we thought it was a good idea to have a, a refresher and bring in some new ideas or better ways of working. We'll see how that goes. It's in hand. So that's my report from scrutiny. Good. Thank you. Councillor Barker. Um, thank you. Um, as you're aware, I wasn't able to be at scrutiny for the items in my portfolio. But in reading the minutes of that scrutiny meeting, I did note that the policeman that you had there regarding pavement parking said that civil enforcement officers could enforce pavement parking. Civil enforcement officers can enforce pavement parking when there are lines on the road. But if there are no lines on the road, that is not the case. So I did think the minutes were a little not precise to that effect. Um, if there are no lines, it is not 
in civil I, matter. I, I agree. I've, I've also read the minutes, and the minutes are not complete. Uh, did not give that does not include that qualification. You're correct. Okay, thank you. Yeah, so the, the police cannot pass the buck to the North Essex Parking Partnership. Good. Thank you. Item six, refugee working group. Anything to report? Um, nothing further than we had at the last meeting, but I expect we will have by the November meeting. Thank you. Item 7, 100% business rates uh, retention pilot. Uh, Councillor Howell. Thank you very much, Leader. Um, you'll know that there's a paper that's been tabled. Um, this paper came out a little bit later than the rest of the paper for Cabinet, and there's a, an additional addendum which is reflected in the, uh, in the paper which has been tabled separately. I'd like to thank Mrs Knight, as always, for a very helpful introduction to, to the proposal. Um, the, um, the business rates retention scheme currently operates on 40% of the income being retained by this council, and then with Essex County Council receiving 9% and the Fire Authority 1% and the balance of 50% going to central government. And there's a very useful summary at the front of this paper that sets out the current scheme and what is proposed. Um, late, in late 2016, the, the government introduced a new scheme for 100% business rates retention in place of the current 50% scheme, with the proposal that all councils would move to 100% by 2020. Um, there are a number of pilot schemes currently in place. Uh, however, the 100% business rates retention scheme has been put on hold as a result of the general election. There's an opportunity for us, however, to take part in a pilot scheme. Um, the submission date for the pilot, to, uh, if we are to participate in the pilot, uh, the deadline is the 27th of, of October. And all Essex civil authorities have agreed in principle to the proposal to become a pilot uh, for 100% business rates in 2018-19. The scheme would one, run for one year, and there are various criteria on which a submission by all Essex authorities will be judged. Um, and then I think I probably won't speak to the recommendation until we've gone through a little bit more of the background. It's a very careful and helpful definition of some of the terminology here. Baseline needs, tariffs, top-ups and levies. It's all very complicated, and I shall ask if you can direct questions to, to Mrs Knight um, on the definitions, how the current scheme operates, and how the, the details of how the 100% uh, business rates retention scheme will operate in its place but you'll see that we're currently uh, part of a business rates pool with Essex County Council, uh, the Fire Authority and eight other local authorities. Um, and that gives us a degree of protection. Um, so there is, uh, and we receive a, uh, a reduction in our levy payment of 3% as a consequence of being part of the, the current pool. The proposal for 100% business rates retention pilot, um, and I think I need to, to identify a number of health warnings attached to this. There are some criteria on which any submission will be based. I also need to point out that there's no guarantee that even if we submit an application it will be successful. Um, although I think it's very clear that this is the direction, and travel, of, direction of travel and so while um, it may only be a pilot it is almost certainly going to be the case that in due course all councils will participate in 100% business rate retention schemes such as this. The criteria on which our submission will be judged 
includes the, the, the requirement for the application to cover a, f a functional economic area and the other criteria are also set out. Um, I also need to point out that the current safety net will apply to the pilot but the, change, the level has changed um, and there is no confirmation one way or the other as yet as to whether there will be a no detriment clause. That having been said, the, um, we will receive an adjustment to, to take account of the fact that we have a Rural Services District grant of £200,000. The safety net has been increased from 92.5 to 97%. Um, and I draw your attention to paragraph 26, which identifies that LG Futures has carried out some independent work on behalf of all the Essex authorities on what a 100% retention would look like. And their um, analysis is being considered by officers, but the initial predi predictions show that the pilot would be financially sound and offer the potential for a high level of reward. It will also, I think, act as an encouragement to us as a, as a council to encourage greater um, business rates growth, uh, to encourage um, businesses within our area, because we would benefit directly from additional future uh, increases in business rates. What I can't tell you, and I don't think anyone can tell you at this stage, is whether the government will require us to take on additional responsibilities as a consequence of the move to 100% business rates retention. Uh, however, I need to point out that that is not a condition for us assessing participation in this pilot. So I'll move, if you don't mind, to the recommendation. Just in case I've got a different recommendation to the one that I had previously seen, uh, the Cabinet is requested to approve that delegated authority be given to the Director of Finance and Corporate Services, that's the Section 151 officer, in consultation with the Cabinet Member for Finance and Administration, firstly, to agree the terms for an Essex application to become a pilot area for 100% business rates retention scheme for 2018-19, and secondly, in the event that the above application is not accepted, to agree the terms of an extended Essex business rates pool, effectively remaining with status quo. Thank you. Thank you very much, Councillor Howard. Do I have a seconder? Councillor Redfern? Yep, okay. So you're a seconder. I've got Councillor Redfern, I've got Councillor Riles, and Councillor Ranger. Okay, in that order. And Councillor Light. Um, can I ask, um, you said that all of the Essex authorities were um, supportive of this. Has it been through everyone's cabinet or committee? they're all in and if they aren't all in are we all out can I defer to, to Mrs Knight for that because I'm not sure I know for certain about what the situation is on that um, yes everybody's working towards having um, member approval in time for the submission on the 27th of October um, if we had more than a few out then we I think we would be out I think if only one goes out, we can still put the bid in, but we might be looked upon as less favourable because it is a competitive process to become a pilot this year. There's quite a few going in. So the more of a geographical um, complete area we get, the more likely we are to be successful. Councillor Riles. I have a numbers question. Um, if we're at the moment we're receiving 40% um, retained by the council, if we go to 100% retention, how is that apportioned? 
across the different authorities. Is it in the same proportion as it is now, i.e. we get 80% and Essex County Council gets 18% or do we all fight amongst ourselves for this share or fight amongst the pool? Um, the 100% retention, I'd like to just make very clear, it's not 100% retention of all business rates, it's only 100% retention of the growth. We currently retain 50% of that. Um, the, we, we have a baseline need and then we have a tariff. So we'll still pay the tariff to central government. Um, and then, But any growth over and above our baseline, we will receive 100% under the pilot system. That is then shared on um, an 80-20 two-tier system and then it's shared out based on the total tariff within the pool on a 50-25-25 um, ratio. It is a little bit complicated, um, but they, they, those are the sort of the rough basis of it and we, we predict that we will go forward on that basis, but we've still got um, further meetings to have over the next few days. Thank you. Councillor Ranger. Thank you, Chairman. A um, couple of questions, if I may, um, Angela. Um, from what you've just said, um, if nothing happens, if there's no growth, we're no worse off than we are now. If there is growth, potentially we are better off. So that's okay. Am I right there? Yes, yes, yeah. you are. Um, overall, Essex is quite um, a positive area with, with um, business rate growth. Um, so predictions show that there would have to be a significant drop in, in business rates collection across the authorities for um, us to fall below um, levy position into a top-up, which is where government will top us up, where the 92.5 and the 97% come in. Um, I don't think there's much risk of us going below that. So, so the growth, is that an Essex-wide figure that goes into the system? Or just ours? No, we, we, we all put our growth in there. So, so the levy payment that we um, pay at the moment, so um, if our growth was a million pounds, then we'd pay 500,000 to government and we would put 500,000 into the poll. But by um, putting it into the poll, the 500,000 we pay government, we pay less because everybody's levy gets added up together and then we get a reduction in that. Okay, so there's one... Um uh, topic that's not explained in the terminology and that was the functional geographic area. I'm concerned that there may be some far eastern areas of Essex that could be termed non-functional in terms of uh, business enhancement and growth. So um, would that have an impact? So the functional economic area is Essex. Uh, it could be broader than Essex. I think government would very much like it to be a combination of counties. But Essex is a very large county and therefore, um, provided there's good participation from Essex authorities, we're probably in with a good, good, chance, good chance. Okay, thank you. Good, thank you. Thank Councillor you Light. Thank you, Chair. Um, I've got a few questions, actually. The first thing is I think it's a very important decision to make and uh, it should not be delegated but should be a full council decision. We have just had a full council and really it should have been presented there. Secondly, I, um, I'm quite puzzled. I've read the document. Uh, the other one just came quite late. Uh, to the actual benefits. Um, if 
there's a pool of all of the councils in Essex. Is the sharing currently equitable or will it remain equitable so we all get an equal share of any uh, growth, which uh, I would be very reluctant to see because it's the residents and the businesses working very hard here and potentially uh, funding others. So, that's, so there, there are separate questions here. One is the benefits and one is, uh, is there an equitable sharing? Thank you. Um, there's a governance paper in, in place at the moment around the current pool and everyone gets an equal share of that and it's a portion based on the amount of our baseline needs and then any growth o over and above that and then obviously we get a reduction in the levy by percentage which makes it you know, more beneficial to us to be in the pool than not in the pool. So, sorry, carry on. Sorry. Yeah, within Essex, yeah. Councillor Howell. If, I, I'm not sure whether Mrs Knight has, has fully answered Miss, uh, Mrs Light's, or uh, Councillor Light's questions, but I think I do need to make reference to the, to the initial comment, which was that this should have been a decision made by Council, and I think that's incorrect. I'm quite clear to my mind that this is a decision that Cabinet has the authority to make. I'm happy to refer to the, to the, um, uh, to the legal officer to confirm that's the case, but my understanding is this is a decision that Cabinet should be taking and has the authority to do. Um, and I think it's quite clear to my mind that this is the direction of travel. We can either participate in a pilot or have it done to us in a year's time uh, when, when the government chooses to do this. There will be pooling of local authorities, whether we like it or not, Councillor Light. Um, I, I can recognise why we would want to keep as much of business rates as we possibly can within our area. Unfortunately, it's been a fact of life that we have been making much more of a contribution. We are a net contributor from our local economy to, to, uh, to the national economy. This is, a, this is a way for us to ensure that as our economy hopefully grows, we will retain that growth, and that's why it has a particular attraction. So I recognise that business rates go into a central pot and government uses them the way they wish to use it. This is a way to ensure that we can keep any future growth going forward, and I think it's for that reason alone that, that we should be supporting and participating in this um, because it is for the benefit of local residents in particular. Thank you. Good. Any other points? In which case the motion has been proposed and seconded. Uh, those in favour? Unanimous. Thank you. Uh, we now move on to item 8, which is uh, the grant for Harlow College to provide the proposed technical and professional college at... Uh, Stansted Airport, uh, Councillor Ranger. Uh, thanks, Chairman. I'm pleased to be able to bring this item to Cabinet for approval. The Council does not have a further education college within the district, yet we have an ever-growing cohort of young people desperate to gain additional knowledge and acquire skills in order to pursue their ambitions to establish a working career. These young people face difficulties, notably time and travel constraints, in accessing colleges that offer such opportunities, and we see a dropout rate from sixth form education because of those discouraging factors. 
There will also be adults with the wish to retrain in the new disciplines that they would need in order to take advantage of the rise in employment opportunities at the airport and within the nearby supply network uh, chain of companies. To be able to contribute, even on a relatively small scale, to the Harlow College organisation for the fitting out of the new technical and professional college at Stansted Airport, this will give assurance to our young people that we recognise the role they have to play in the future of this district, but also give assurance to those families who are considering either leaving or coming to Uttlesford that there is a future for them and their children who may wish to consider further education post-year 12. Colleagues will note from the papers there has been a process of negotiation following the receipt of tenders for the construction and fit-out of the new facility and a shortfall of £300,000 was identified. The South East LEP, Essex County Council and Harlow College themselves have all contributed funds to the project and UDC were approached for a grant to address the shortfall. Should we agree to to the request, the money (coughs) will come from the Council's Strategic Initiative Fund which was set up specifically for projects such as this, whereby community benefit is achieved. Colleagues, on the basis that the College will educate and train around 530 young people and adults in technical and vocational skills with direct benefits available to our residents, I would move the recommendation in paragraph 4 of the papers that the Council makes a capital grant of up to £300,000 towards the provision of the proposed Technical and Professional College at Stansted Airport, subject to Harlow College providing a statement of the need for the amount of funding required up to the £300,000 cap and acknowledging the Council as a supporter of the project. By the way of an update, I am pleased to report further that Harlow College have in fact responded favourably to a letter sent by the leader of this Council and they have indicated they would indeed be pleased to offer such acknowledgement should we agree to the grant request. Thank you. Thank you. Do I have a seconder? Councillor Redfern, thank you. Anybody wish to speak? Councillor Light, Councillor Dean. Yes, thank you, Chair. Um, As an academic, um, I'm actually very pleased that uh, a college will be available local area or for education and also for vocational education which is an important uh, part of uh, growing the economy. Um, I just have a a couple of uh, questions here. If we don't give them a grant of 300,000, what other opportunities are there for uh, Harlow College to find the money? And secondly, What advantages and support will be provided for the young people of Uttlesford and adults uh, who would like to retrain? For example, would they be guaranteed a certain number of places? Would there be uh, some public transport put in place uh, to support them to actually get there? Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Councillor. Um, The College have expressed in their letter that... um, they would be willing to uh, meet with our officers to talk through the the whole um, project um, in more detail. Um, In terms of what other um, funding streams they may pursue, um, they've gone through the South East LEP local growth funding. Um, Essex County Council have provided uh, funding and are the educational authority for the county. Um, There may well be other streams, but... um, that uh, is something that um, it would be for the college to, to answer unless any of my officers can offer anything. But what is fundamental to this is the opportunity for us as a council to 
invest or to provide the grant that would ensure that within our uh, district there is such facility, can come on stream quickly and the downside if they don't get the money is they can't fit out the uh, workshops. So um, all in all I think um, we've, we've had the request. Um, we are in a position to um, agree to that request. We have the fund uh, set up specifically to do, to do it and I, I see no reason why we shouldn't. Thank you. I think your last point, Councillor Ranger, that uh, they, it wouldn't be properly fitted out is, is the answer. They, they've pretty much gone everywhere, I think, to get the money. I'm not suggesting it was 100% exhaustive, but uh, all the normal channels for resource, uh, they, had, you know, they had raised a substantial amount, obviously, to get where they got. So they would have cut corners and not kitted the place out properly. So uh, we felt on that basis it was a good investment. In terms of public transport, um, I mean, the normal criteria to go to that college would apply, so it's not for us to interfere with their, um, in terms of how they accept the students. But in terms of the public transport, I think this is a point worth pursuing. I don't know if Mr. Harborough may have some information on that. Uh, the, uh, the students and the staff, for that matter, will be eligible for an airport travel card, which provides subsidised transport to and from the airport. Okay, that's helpful. Any other points? Councillor Dean. Councillor Dean, sorry, yes, I... Raise your hand. Like with Councillor Light and, and Councillor Ranger, um, I, I think the uh, delivery of this uh, project uh, will enhance the standing of the district and, and be good for local people. What I don't understand at the moment, looking at the paper, are the, are the economics of it. Um, it says that the total capital project is £10.5 million, of which £7.5 million is for buildings and 300,000, sorry, £3 million for the value of the site. So does this mean that the project will be paying to the airport £300 million to, u to use that No, land. I can answer that. Uh, right. Manchester Airport Group, that is their contribution to the project. That is their the contribution. Land. That, that's their contribution to the project, yeah. Okay, well, that, that, that uh, is better than I read into it, that we were paying them to have something that would benefit airport employees on their site. I mean, I think the... the the, the main question for me is bearing in mind that the District Council isn't uh, an edu education authority and isn't traditionally involved in funding educational facilities, um, what is the justification for making a significant grant at this time? And I think that that's something that hasn't really been explained here. So, in other words, why us and why, why not somebody else? That's, sure. That's, that's a uh, so we're making uh, four significant uh, grants at the moment. We're investing in broadband. We're not a broadband authority. We don't have to do that. We're investing um, in sports facilities at uh, Carver Barracks. We're not a, uh, a sports uh, body but we're doing that for uh, the good, you know, the welfare of our residents. So I take your point. It's not a statutory responsibility, uh, Councillor Dean. That's a fair comment. But in terms of the, um, you know, working to our corporate uh, objectives, um, the, uh, the the education, and in fact the 
business well-being because the key point of this is that uh, there will be quite a focus on engineering, particularly aviation engineering and other service um, skills which will enrich the opportunity for our students and enrich the, uh, the business success of, of our district. So that very much addresses one of our core corporate objectives. But, yeah. yeah thanks for those two answers. Thank you. Councillor Redfern. Um, I just wanted to say that I was really pleased to um, second this for you, Councillor Ranger. I think this is a perfect way for us to use our strategic initiative fund as a parent of three um, well, young adults are all going through further education and obviously talking with lots of their, my um, friends who have children the same age, there is a real lack of variety in this district and it is, it is, it is hard. So I am really delighted that we're um, being able to assist the development of something like this. And um, as far as I understand your comment about... Um, Transport, but I do actually think that getting to Stansted Airport is probably one of the easiest places to get to in this district. I think there's other places that you would struggle, but um, I think that I'm really happy to um, support this. Good. So um, the recommendation we've had a proposal second. The recommendation is the council makes a capital grant of up to £300,000 towards the provision of the proposed technical and professional college at Stansted Airport, subject to Harlow College providing a statement of the need for the amount of funding required up to the £300,000 cap and acknowledging the council as a supporter of the project. And Councillor Ranger has said that they have agreed to both of those points. Those in favour, please. Thank you. Carried unanimously. Item 9, Air Quality Action Plan. Uh, Councillor Barker. Chairman, thank you. Um, first of all, I would like to thank uh, Scrutiny for having another look at this. Um, it's referred back to Scrutiny last year and it's come back again. And that's great with a few amendments. Could I just ask members, are there any specific things? We have a very long report here. Are there any specific questions they have in relation to this report they'd like me to answer? Nothing new was raised. Uh, paragraph 13 uh, itemises four bullet points as to what concerns were a year ago about... Um, a position statement which is in the document, prioritisation of the actions yeah. in, the, in the previous one, quantification of costs and we were also concerned a year ago about whether or not it met DEFRA guidelines. Uh, in the meantime, it's been, the report's been rewritten, uh, there's been dialogue with DEFRA, that's covered in the report. Uh, the report um, is, I'll just say CRISPR, uh, and, and I think newly it includes things, it includes more about um, electric car charging points, uh, therefore the, the, the encouragement of um, fewer uh, diesel generating vehicles, etc. Um, okay, and okay, no, nothing, 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 nothing new came out. I have to say that the, the discussion was um, fairly short. Uh, part, partly because of other agenda items and what had happened the previous night, but that wasn't... Um, okay. the, the main thing was that the concerns the previous year had been addressed. Thank you. Okay. Um, yes, Councillor Lloyd. Yes, thank you. Um, I just have uh, a couple of points. I suppose they relate uh, to the um, action plan and how it will um, tie in with local plan and with planning generally. And I'm looking specifically at page 39 or page 14, and it would be 2.2. On page? It would be page probably 14 of the report or page... If it's, which if it's, paragraph, and then I can guide? Or page 39 of the paper uh, documents. 
it's 2.24 and 2.25 and mm -hmm. 2.27. So 2.24 is my question and 5 is how would this actually be insured, uh, the statements there, and 2.27. Um, that would actually be impossible if um, the east side of Saffron Walden is developed. I'd like an explanation of how that could be. So 2.24 and 2.25 is how is this going to be insured? So ensuring the new development is consistent with the plan. Thank Given the problem, I'll, I'll, I'll address that. Thank you very much. You. Anything else, members, specifically? No? Good. Thank you, Chairman. Um, the Air Quality Action Plan that's here tonight has been drawn up by officers, and we have the recommendation it's approved as a working document over the five-year life of the plan. We need a plan as four areas within Saffron Walden are close to the specific national objectives not being met, and an air quality management area is needed, and a plan to maintain the levels below the objective for the life of the plan. In 2016, the Air Quality Action Plan was referred to Scrutiny, who made a number of proposals which have now been incorporated into the plan and represented to scrutiny last month. Thank you again for looking at that. Um, the team, meanwhile, has not been idle. The team, some of the team are behind us, and some of the priority measures that have been carried out are working with Essex Highways to develop a scheme of measures aimed at improving junction capacity within the area, uh, working with ECC to facilitate procurement of bus services with integrated timetables, high-quality facilities, providing information on public transport, and securing improvements to emissions from the bus fleet, working with operators of fleet vehicles, including Attlesford, to facilitate the introduction of low-emission vehicles, supporting Essex in working with local schools and businesses in the review and upgrading of travel plans to assist schools or businesses and to promote those plans, engaging with the Attlesford Licensed Operators Forum with the aim of introducing emission controls for licensed taxis operating within the town and working with Essex to facilitate the provision of well-designed new cycle and pedestrian routes and reviewing existing pathways for safety. In relation to Councillor Light's comments, I would say that, as you are aware, every single planning application everywhere has to be considered on its own merits. I do appreciate that in any town, there is always, or village, or anywhere, cumulative effect of traffic and potential implications for air quality is there. But you know, the officers are aware that every single public application is considered on its own merits. Um, I'm not sure if Mr. Harbour wants to, to add anything to that, but we cannot, you know, it, it is not the sole consideration in a planning application, but of course it is an important one when we're looking at traffic through Saffron Walden in particular. So, but as I say, each planning application is a standalone planning application and the impact that it may or may not have on the network has to be considered um, at that time. Mr Harbour, do you want to say anything there? Uh, well, the work to prepare the local plan has, of course, looked at the implications in terms of potential increasing traffic flow around the network of the town uh, <clears throat> and the, the choices about uh, allocation sites have and will con continue to need to be uh, <clears throat> assessed from that point of view. Um, and you know, the, the general approach will be that uh, development won't be appropriate without suitable mitigation to reduce congestion, min minimise the generation of car trips. Uh, that's the sort of general approach. So that there will be policies in the plan about the sorts of mitigation that would need to be provided um, to, to, to prevent those increases in traffic flow and any congestion. 
Thank you. Thank you, Chairman. We have a recommendation that Cabinet is requested to approve the Air Quality Action Plan as a working document over the five-year life of the plan, and I so propose. Thank you, Councillor Barker. Do I have a seconder? Councillor Ranger, anybody wish to comment? Councillor Light. Thank you, Chair. I notice on page uh, 18 and page 43, which are the same page, 43 or 18, depending where you are, that the table on 2.219, table 1 shows the details of the most recent applications and the measures secured. I have to say that the conditions relevant to the air quality on the right hand, in the right-hand column are spurious. I mean, to prepare a, a transport information pack is hardly uh, an air uh, quality mitigation. Um, and to, to talk about the Saffron Walden to Audley End cycle path, which is highly dangerous and very little used because it is so highly dangerous, is... These, these are subjective comments, which probably yes. aren't helpful. Well, but this is, this is not subjective. No, no, not your comments about the conditions relevant to air quality, your, your comments about the uh, cycle path. Well, it would be interesting to know how many people actually used it. Um, so th all the conditions, I find, are really more of a joke than anything else, and I would like to see that there are some serious conditions that are actually relevant to air quality and not the preparation of a few packs and a bit of cycle par uh, parking, because that is actually not going to address the problems that we already have. Um, I would comment that every little action here that is related to... Um, the reason that we have these applications, hold these applications, is because these have been identified as items which will facilitate an improvement in air quality. Otherwise, they wouldn't be there in planning conditions. Uh, you know, the, the, the junctions that we're talking about, the junction is a junction that's been identified through the work of the officers that if Essex County Council spend the money, do the junction, then that will improve the traffic flow, which should help improve the air quality. There is no one thing that is going to wave a magic wand and reduce the levels by that tiny bit to get under the level. We are only marginally near the levels. We've never been, we have never vastly exceeded any European set levels. So what we're trying to do is manage what we've got and improve it as we can, and this is why these monies are held. Councillor Howell. Um, th thank you. I, I always enjoy Councillor Light's contributions because I, I know that they're probably intended to... To, to, to pull us up sharp, um, I think we do need to try and get beyond making subjective comments, however, uh, as facts, because I've driven the, I've ridden the cycle track to Audley End, uh, and I don't consider it to be dangerous. I know many people who use it and use it frequently. So to make a statement that it's a joke and that it's dangerous um, doesn't really help us when we are considering something like this. And, and I know always that whenever I say something, I'm, I'm almost expecting Councillor Light to say, no, 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 that's not true. And black will always be white in her, her eyes when I say something. But, but please, can we get beyond fairly bold, subjective statements and try and focus on the specifics that are here um, and there may be areas in which we can look to improve upon the conditions that are relevant for air quality. And this is an area where I'm sure that we as a council are committed to get it right because we don't want an air quality plan that fails. If it doesn't do what it's supposed to do, then the government will intervene and they will, make, they will tell us what measures to, to carry out. 
So this is officers' recommendation. They believe that it will have the desired impact. If they're wrong, you, you will be in a position to point that out to us in due course. But this is a genuine effort to address what we recognise is an issue that we have got to put measures in place for. There are measures here. There may be things we need to do during the life of this plan that will beef these measures up. But it's a starting point. And, and I would urge Cabinet to support this and see whether it works. I very much hope that it does. Thank you. Councillor Ranger. Thank you, Chairman. Yes, Councillor Light referred to the table on page uh, 43 of the report. All of those um, sites are all approved. Um, and the, as a member of the planning committee, I think I sat on every single one and all of those conditions relevant to air quality were exhaustively interrogated by the committee um, and they accorded with our policies um, in our local plan. Um, in fact, the, the vehicle, perhaps the wrong term, um, the way to uh, improve anything in the future is to have attended the management policies for the new local plan, which unfortunately were very sparsely populated. Councillor Redfern. Um, just, I, I have to be honest, I find a document like this really quite challenging to read, but there are a couple of things. I may be wrong, but I would just like to ask a couple of questions, but feel free to put me back in the box, it's no problem. Um, page 70 of our pack, um, Point number 7.2.4 says the level of HGVs travelling through the town from west will have reduced slightly following the closure of commercial development off Ashton Road. My question is, is uh, and it says as set out in section 2.9, I can't actually see it, but I'm intrigued to know what that commercial site that has closed just off Ashton Road is because I don't know. Some of the buildings beside Ridgens, I'd imagine, but Mr Harper will comment. There have been a reduction in the amount of business floor space on the, yeah, what used to be the coronation works. Yep. Yep. Well, okay, but that's only presumably until the site that has been allocated for commercial is occupied. So, but okay. Oh, uh, Mr Harper can comment on that. Yeah. Do you want to well, say no, a that's word? Okay. That's okay, I don't need another comment. Um, but then on the next table, table three... 2009 actions. Now, I'm not saying this. Is, I'm not necessarily saying this has anything to do with air quality, but I'm intrigued with the first um, on that table. So, school travel plans, and then in 2011, school travel team at Essex County Council was disbanded. Now, um, is that just the a school travel team that was looking at how it affects air quality, or was that a school travel team that looked at the whole package of school transport? Um, because there are obviously ongoing issues with school transport for many people, but when you sit in, just when you sit in these offices, as I was trying to arrive here this afternoon, when the school, county high school turns out, as the whole of um, Saffron Warden and I dare say other towns across the district, um, one of the problems with air quality, I do firmly believe, is the um, people trying to access the, particularly the secondary schools, well, primary and secondary schools. But... So do Essex no longer look at how... I'm not expecting to answer this now, Sue. I'm just interested to know, do Essex no longer look at how their school transport pol uh, policy affects air quality, not just in Saffron Walden, but across the 
across the district, or how, or do, do they not have a school travel team now? If that makes sense. Um, I am aware that with new school planning applications or changes to schools, whether it's an extension or a brand new school, then certainly there are travel plans and recommendations put in place regarding um, sort of the access roads or whatever, whatever. Um, um, the number of bike places or scooter places, a lot of children in primary school have gone to scooter school. Um, so I'm aware that's in, in place. I'm not aware that there is a team any longer ongoing monitoring of that, but I've seen in several Uttleford planning applications the requirement for a travel plan. So somebody must draw them up, but I can find more details for you. I, I think that would be really helpful if you could. I know it's not just related to air quality, but I, I am really interested to know what you know, what Essex County Council are, do do. Do they have a travel team and do they look at air quality and do they look at actually how children do get to and from schools even after developments have been done because obviously we do have a massive problem here just as I said sitting in this building at four o'clock in the afternoon you, it takes, you know, I was at the county high for a meeting and then had to come here and it was 15 minutes and that's about a two minute walk. So, it, it takes 15 minutes to get from the bottom of the Gogs to the Addenbrooke roundabout, so everything's in context. Cambridge well, is completely I, I think, rammed. I'm not suggesting well, think, one problem no, uh, dissuades another, but this is a, uh, you know, we're not. We, we, the point I'm making is we're, we're not alone in no, having well, traffic I, problems at school time. Um, well, Councillor Rolf, I couldn't agree more. I've, obviously, my my children. Um, went to school in Cambridge and I know exactly what it's like and I can tell you now if you drive to the Gogs on a non-school day you can drive straight into Cambridge virtually but you go on a school day and you can't and so I'm saying maybe Cambridgeshire County Council should also look at their travel to school plans as well then. Well Cambridge City believes that it makes a 15% difference to travel uh, in, in Cambridge when it's, whether it's school term or not. It's a 15% difference. Are there figures? But anyway, who are we to argue? Councillor Light. Yes, thank you, Chair. Um, I'd just like to extend what Councillor Redfern has just said because I think that is actually a, a real problem and add in the travel to work. I notice on page 59 of the pack or page 34, if you have a smaller... Um, uh, web version, that right at the bottom, point number 11 of the table, table 2, the summary of proposed measures, there is talk of um, travel to work survey on, and actually it states there will be a reduction in car travel to work as measured by the survey. Um, I'd just like to know that uh, how this could actually be achieved because many people, I am sure, that uh, somebody will be able to produce the statistics for me, so that it's not subjective, um, is uh, people travel to work by car and by rail. So obviously to get to the station you need the car, uh, generally. Um, so that's, re that's one point. Um, so the survey is really important. How is it planned to actually get people out of their cars, which would be a great idea, but how to achieve that. I have to confess I also drive to the station subjectively because uh, otherwise I have to walk a mile into town to get the bus and I'm usually, if I'm you know, not dressed appropriately, to walk a mile into town. Um, that's just anecdotal. But the real point here is the, the survey of work. So work travel plus school travel I think adds up to a lot of traffic. And the final point I'd like to make is actually on the, uh, the monitoring of this plan. Um, 
if somebody could just point out where it is stated that it's going to be monitored and, uh, and timetabled. So what sort of times can we apply Thank to the you, implementation? I, I did, before I introduced this item, ask if there are any questions. People have had a, a week to look at this if they wanted to look at it and to raise technical questions, which I could have taken up with the officers. I will answer those questions offline. The final question regarding the monitoring, it states quite clearly in the report this is subject to annual monitoring and review. That's a brilliant non-answer. Any other I, points? As I just said, it is subject to an annual monitoring and review. The other points, we have had this report. It is a very technical report. If there are specific items that need responding to, we can respond to them. But I did ask at the beginning of the item, were there any issues that anybody wanted to raise? I had two queries. I actually raised my hand, to, and, but you started uh, reading yeah, your Sorry, I'm, I'm not going to take uh, uh, brickbats. So can, are there any other key points? Okay, well, in summary then, uh, we've got a proposer, we've got a seconder, um, and the recommendation is that we're requested to approve the Air Quality Action Plan as a working document over the five-year life of the plan. Um, do we have a seconder, actually? Yeah, 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 sorry. Okay. Um, so just before I put this to the vote, um, I'll also uh, thank the Scrutiny Committee and uh, for the officers that have prepared this piece of work. It is, it's been tightened up well. Um, and I will, um, uh, Councillor Barker has answered the question, which will be reviewed annually, but it is very important, and I think scrutiny has a role to play in this, that there are some very helpful, um, in fact, 22 of them, um, action points, um, all of which will contribute, not all of which are in our powers, uh, we have to recognise that, um, and that we do need to follow them through. This is, this is not something that's going to be put on the shelf. This is a living document that does need to follow through. So we'll be reviewing it in a year, Councillor Light, but we won't uh, start the work in a year. Uh, the work will be continuous and ongoing. So I think that's the key point. Um, and my final point, obviously, Saffron Walden is... is the, 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 the centre of much of our air quality problem. Uh, we, we are working, as you know, we've, uh, we've now got a, a clear way through uh, Peaslands Mount Pleasant Road, which will contribute significantly to air quality improvement. Um, but there are other hotspots that we need to look closely at. And as you've seen from the 106 monies, there's, there's a pot of money to help mitigate that. So, for example, the roundabout uh, just outside these offices, uh, the junction at Thaxted Road, and so on and so forth. So you have reminded me that it's time that we had another meeting of the Saffron Walden Highway Group, which I will arrange uh, on, not on Friday, but I'll arrange for it to happen on Friday, um, so that we can start to make sure that we continue to spend this money and improving those areas uh, to keep traffic flowing. Another area, of course, is down the high street, and there is a potential solution to that, but we need to look at it critically with Essex Highways. So, in summary, um, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's a good step forward, and I thank everybody involved. Those in favour? Thank you very much indeed. Uh, that moves us on to... That was unanimous. Um, did you want to say something? Gosh, we haven't got to it well, yet. No, I know, but I've just, I've, I just wanted to ask a question of um, Mr Pugh, actually, because it says here... The Second recommendation on this paper um, says about Article 4 directions in Great Chesterford, etc. And um, I know that there are two members sitting around this table who have properties that are subject to Article 4 in Great Chesterford. Is that good point? Mm. <laughs> Off you go, you two. I certainly think it's an interest which should be declared. 
Sorry, I certainly think it's an interest that should be declared. Uh, whether at this stage it would preclude you from voting, I think not, because this is a kind of a, 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 a kind of a let's go and consult uh, recommendation. I think when it comes back, if, if um, your property is directly affected by an Article 4 direction, then I suspect you, you should withdraw from it. Well, in that case, could I um, declare an interest in this as a member who has a property subject to Article 4 in Great Chesterford? As I do. We won't uh, discuss Chairman, it now. As I do in Stansted, but I'm not voting. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, um, moving on to Item 10, Article 4, Direction to Local Heritage List, Councillor Barker. Thank you, Chairman. Chairman, this item asks Cabinet to agree the principle of serving Article 4 directions on specific properties, both within conservation areas out, outside, which are named and included on the forthcoming heritage, local heritage list. This would have the effect of removing permitted development rights, such as alterations to windows, doors and chimneys, and alterations to boundaries from these buildings. The global Article 4 directions in Great Dumbo, Great Chesterford, Stasden and Newport will be superseded by this. The paper sets out in detail the process that needs to be followed and the consultation that will be carried out. Once agreed, properties named on the list, once agreed, properties named on the list will need to apply for permission to carry out any of the work specified in Schedule 2 of the papers. Such an application will not attract a fee, and any decision, if refused, can be appealed. So, Chairman, what this means, in effect, is that we are taking away the global Article 4 direction that covers these villages and towns, these are Article 4 directions which are on properties that are not listed and we're looking in the fullness of time to, for specifically named properties to reintroduce that. So we're saying the whole of the middle of Great Chesterfield, which may, may if it's not a listed property, be subject to an Article 4. There, there are some that we don't need to be bothering about, but those that are listed as a local heritage asset will have an Article 4 directed to it. So the recommendations that we have are that Cabinet supports the principle of issuing an Article 4 direction for selected buildings included on the local heritage list, that Cabinet supports the cancellation of the existing four Article 4 directions in Great Chesterford, Newport, Stansted, Mount Fidget and Great Dunmo, and upon service of the proposed order which will supersede the existing Article 4 directions. Uh, Councillor Dean wishes to make a point before we second the motion. I'm a, I'm a bit mystified as to why we're doing this and because what I'm hearing is that the or the, what I'm interpreting it as is that the taking Stansted that where there are I think three conservation areas that the conservation areas will be eliminated and then all we're going to go around doing is identifying some things that we think that matter and ignoring other things no, properties that don't matter I, 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 that's not what's happening is it? Well, that's, it's not. That's a question. What I'm, is I'm, happening? Who can answer this? No, the, the conservation area stays. It's not conservation area. It's an Article 4 area. I'm sorry? The Article 4 application has been applied, as I understand it, to the conservation area. So that all buildings within that conservation area, whether or not they were listed, were now subject to an Article 4. The it's idea it's... is to rescind that and just name the buildings within the conservation area that are not listed that will now be subject to an Article 4. So I'm going to seek a bit well, of clarification listed, from Mr. There, Barbara there's a, difference, there's a difference between listed buildings and buildings within a conservation area. My build house isn't listed, but it's within a conservation area. So, so at the moment, at present, it will be subject to Article 4. It is. At the moment it is, but it, it may is. not be in the future, because it may not be seen as a heritage asset. 
Yeah. Um, it's going to become, make it could, very complicated. Could you ask Mr. Harper for a bit of clarification? Yeah, oh, well, let Mr. Councillor Redfern speak and then Mr. Harper, one person at a time, please. Well, no, I was just going to say that I do remember the Article 4 for Great Chesterford coming to Cabinet, and, that's, and I know that my house has always been in the conservation area, but it had an Article 4 put on it. It didn't have Article 4 on it before. Mm -hmm. So it is already on specific mm -hmm. buildings. And they were list, they, there was a list of what properties there were. And mine was one of them, so it's in, it was individual properties. So I'm a bit confused. Mr. Harper, please. Julia, just have to turn off your. Yeah, and you, sir. Yes, um, um, the proposal is to, to carry out a comprehensive survey of um, properties which are worthy of inclusion, inclusion in a local heritage list and it will be exclusively those properties that are subject to an Article 4 direction. Um, of course, listed buildings are protected in other ways, um, so uh, it doesn't affect listed buildings. It's, uh, it's, it's a more systematic and specific assessment of uh, non-listed buildings to determine whether or not it's appropriate to have an Article 4 direction. So could you, Councillor Ranger will come in in just a sec, could you therefore make it clear what uh, additional um, features are for an Article 4 property that aren't for a listed property? Uh, well, the, um, the requirement to seek listed building consent on a listed property is, is, is quite general, whereas the Article 4 direction will identify the specific, uh, specific uh, set of works which would require... Um, uh, consent, uh, an application for planning permission under the Article 4 direction. So it's a tighter definition? It would be a tighter definition in respect of um, the non, uh, the, the, the listed heritage assets, local heritage assets. Okay, uh, Councillor Ranger. Yeah, thank you, Chairman. My concern is that any property in a conservation area that has its Article 4 status removed would be able to do things or things would be able to be done to that property that in the current situation would need a planning application for uh, the effect that those proposals would have on the conservation area. So we could end up with the conservation area being spoiled by allowing permitted development on buildings that aren't heritage assets but do have an effect on the neighbouring properties. Thank you. Councillor Dean and Councillor Riles, you wanted to come in? During the <coughs> protracted debate on the local plan, uh, it must be about sometime within the last nine months, we at the PPWG and at a workshop on management policies, um, a new management policy or modified policy was put forward which addressed as an example uh, a situation that arose in Stansted where Lower Street is a conservation area and there were certainly differences of opinion as to whether the new health centre complemented the um, conservation area or, or undermined it. Now that's a matter of opinion. So, but nevertheless, because it was on the edge of the conservation area it didn't uh, it, it was outside it 
um, and, and the new policy, I can't remember the wording, you know, says buildings within the conservation areas as well as those that are just outside it. Um, so, you know, there's an example of where, depending on your point of view, you know, a building was put up or modified that's mucked up the uh, conservation area. Um, and so I, this seems to, as Councillor Ranger said, take us in a direction where that's more likely to happen or there's more likely, likely to be more debate about a conservation area or, or you know, it, it undermines what we previously called a conservation area. So, so the I'm proposer wants to come in, I'll take Councillor Riles first. Well, and well, Chairman, I was going to suggest that we withdraw this item and have another look at it. Okay. Because Everybody of the concerns that? that are being raised. Yeah. Good. Thank you. Thank you. Item 11, review of enforcement. Um, which is a subject very close to my heart, and I know is a subject which is close to many councillors' hearts. Um, I've and Cabinet have been collectively very keen to ensure that we prioritise our approach as a council to enforcement. Um, so I was very pleased when a member enforcement task force was established to review the council's approach to, scrutin uh, to, to enforcement. Um, I think of it actually as an example of where scrutiny has worked particularly well in the last few years. Um, it undertook uh, a piece of work which was um, very carefully considered by scrutiny at its meeting on the 6th of September and then passed on to Cabinet for consideration. And I, will, at our meeting on the 26th of October last year, was very happy to thank scrutiny for the work they'd done and we welcomed the report. And it's formed the basis of the strategy, uh, as we said it would, uh, to be considered further by officers and presented back to Cabinet. Uh, again, the um, policies as put forward here tonight have gone through scrutiny and they were positively received, I believe. Uh, I do need to flag that there's a little bit of work still required to be done to ensure consistency in typeface and presentation and that type of thing. But in broad terms, these are the draft policies uh, which I'd like us to consider. Uh, if I could turn over the page, I could also draw your attention to, it is quite a complicated uh, suite of documents. So the task force report uh, called for a new corporate enforcement policy and for service enforcement policies um, for a range of 16 areas, and I won't list them all, um, but they're set out on pages 86 to 87. The draft corporate enforcement policy is, is attached, uh, and it, I need to point out to you, is compliant with the regulator's code. Um, it's set out in full on pages 93 to 104 of the document, and then attached also are draft service enforcement policies for the following areas. Planning enforcement on pages 105 to 122, fixed penalty enforcement, on pages 123 to 146, and I won't list out the full, uh, I won't read out the full list of, I think probably 10 areas which are subject to fixed penalty enforcement. In addition, there's a draft service enforcement policy for premises licensing on page 147 to 152. Council tax, uh, business rates, and local council tax support and anti fraud policy which is set out on page 153 to 162 and I need to note also this was actually an area that was not identified by scrutiny as an area for consideration but I think is, is an area which we do need to have policies in place so I think that's an enhancement on the work done by the task force and by scrutiny. Um, there are a small number of areas where we still need to do a little bit of work. Um, those are licensed vehicles, housing tenancy fraud, scrap metal. Um, 
And I need to probably draw your attention to a couple of other items. Pages 89 to 92 sets out the Enforcement Task Group's review, their recommendations and their summary of the current status. Um, and if you'll indulge me and allow me, I'll t return to page 94 um, and summarise the criteria on which we will exercise our regulatory activities. They will be proportionate, accountable, consistent, transparent and targeted. And I think those are very good um, rules for us to follow when we approach our enforcement. Um, on page 97, enforcement action will always be proportionate and follow statutory guidance, with prosecution generally being the last resort. However, the Council will deal firmly with those that deliberately or persistently fail to comply or who deliberately seek personal gain through non-compliance. And if I might finally turn to page 102 under paragraph 7.2, um, the principles that we will apply to our policies will be to change the behaviours or aim to change the behaviours of offenders, aim to eliminate any financial gain or benefit from non-compliance. We can include punishment and public stigma uh, in the event of, a, which can include um, punishment and public stigma in the case of a criminal conviction. It should be proportionate to the nature of the offence and the harm caused. Um, we ought to be aiming to restore the harm caused and we ought to be aiming to deter future non-compliance. To my mind, enforcement is one of the key duties and responsibilities of this council. It's an area which local residents and local businesses consistently identify as a priority. I'm very aware that, I don't know what the exact number is, but the vast majority, 99%, apply the rules and follow them correctly. And this is intended to, to address the 1%, the small minority, who do not believe that the rules apply to them. Um, I believe these policies, drawn up by councillors through the task force, through the role that scrutiny has done and now presented to Cabinet, are a, a, a framework which will allow us to strengthen and enforce our approach to scrutiny. We have invested in the capability of our, our enforcement uh, capacity within the Council, and I think this is a further step emphasising the importance with which we apply uh, attached to enforcement. So the recommendation is that members approve the draft enforcement policies that are annexed to the, annexed to the report, subject to, the authorizing, uh, auth subject to authorising officers to carry out any further work to ensure consistent presentation and layout. Thank you. Thank you very much, Councillor Howard. Do I have a seconder? Councillor Ranger, thank you. Any comments? As uh, Councillor Howell said, uh, enforcement is a key objective. Um, I think a bit like funding the National Health Service, you can probably never have enough enforcement officers. So, but nevertheless, this is a very clear framework with which to work and to follow through residents' uh, concerns. Councillor Light. Yes, thank you. It's just a curiosity, actually, because I note that in the fixed penalty notices um, that the officers of the council can also um, actually issue these. Are there any statistics on how often this happens in a year and what type? 
I thought I was going to get away with unanimous um, support and no questions. And to be honest, Councillor, I'm not sure I do know the answer to this. Maybe Mr Pugh is the gentleman who can answer it. Well, Mr Pugh, I'm afraid, doesn't know, but he's looking towards Mr Watts at the back of the room who might have some idea. Thanks. Thank you very much. Okay. Uh, we've got a proposer and a seconder. We know what the recommendation is. Do you want to say anything? No? Those in favour? Unanimous. Thank you very much indeed. Um, item 12, street name and numbering policy. Councillor Barker. Thank you, Chairman. Chairman, this evening we're considering a revised street naming and numbering policy which has taken on board a number of issues that were raised by scrutiny. The purpose of a strategy such as this is to have a logical approach to naming and numbering to help with the location of a property for purposes such as the delivery of mail and services and for emergency service access. It also serves as a guide for developers when considering new names for roads and gives assistance to town and parish councils if they wish to object to those suggestions. The recommendation is to go out for a six-week consultation on the draft policy. Uh, parish councillors, councillors, Royal Mail, the emergency services and a host of other statutory uh, bodies will be consulted. The paper sets out in great detail the processes and the charging regime that needs to be followed and I'm happy in to accept one of Councillor Hargreaves' suggestion in paragraph 6.3.7 um, where there is a suggestion that somebody has to have lived in a town to have a road named after them to add the words or had a very close connection. Uh, many of us live somewhere and work somewhere else and it may be our place of business is somewhere else and I think if a, if a village wants to name somebody proudly. Um, in paragraph 6.3.12 and 13, we have a list of suffixes set out. And once you start looking at them, you think, oh, there are other things there could be. And, you know, we might want a road called something Mead or something Acre. So it is not an exhausting list. It's just a, an indicative list. Um, the idea of this policy is to be consistent and sensible in allocating names and to work with developers and town and parish councils to have an outcome that all are happy with. Chairman, I have some further comments that have been put forward by Councillor Hargreaves. Um, I'm not going to incorporate them at this time. I'll ask him to submit these as a response to the consultation. Chairman, this is a consultation and the proposal is that the proposed policy as attached to this report be approved as a consultation draft. Thank you. Um, uh, Councillor Howell is the seconder. So, any car? Councillor Redfern? I know this is a consultation, but I, would, I, I do think that the, the paragraph 6.37, um, where it says that um, the use of a name which relates to people either living or deceased should be avoided if possible, I just wonder why would it be avoided if possible. I think that's, um, I think that's one of the really nice things where we get suggestions of people who've done done something and I don't think it should necessarily be an exception and certainly when you um, as in the Chesterfords we've 
got a flurry of new houses, uh, new roads, and um, it's quite difficult to come up with um, new names. So I think it is really nice to be named after someone. I know, and then I know you don't want to change that. It's not an exhaustive um, list of um, uh, suffixes in. 6.3.13, but I really would like to see yard entered in, into that. I thought yard was there now. Mm. Yard not there? No. no. Um, because that was one that caused twice, caused quite a lot of um, problem with the last um, list we have. And then just one other comment, which is at the bottom of page 179, 9.3. says, all new and replacement nameplates will be constructed of recyclable material. Really? It says recyclable rather than recycled. No, I know. I know. But, but, but why, why? I suspect we are following national good practice. Um, I think we take your comments on board, Councillor Redfern. I'm... The use of a straight name which relates to people either living or deceased should be avoided. That is, again, national guidance. Um, we don't have to follow national guidance exactly. If I get a few of those comments back from people during the consultation, then I think we can look at that when we come back. Um, certainly, I have no problems to the addition of the word yard. No. Um, you know, these, these decisions Fine. are down to town and parish councils in consultation with... So I think if it's a reasonable thing, we really don't want a lane going out into the countryside being called yard, but if it's a, a small whatever, I think yard, to me, if that, especially if that's a historic name for the area, is, is just as good as muse. So I'm happy to add the word yard in there. Good. Members are happy with that? Yep, I've got uh, Councillor Dean, Councillor Howell, Councillor Riles. Thank you, Chairman. A bit of feedback from scrutiny. The... Um, Paragraph 6.3.7 that uh, has just been referred to was the one that uh, also exercised the uh, thinking of the um, committee, in other words, naming after people. According to my uh, note of that meeting, um, the explanation was that uh, if you name it after people, and particularly after living people, but how do you know which, whether it's the grandfather or the grandson who it's named after, um, you know, might, might be controversial should that name or a person of that name have fallen from grace. Um, the problem is, you, I'm sure we could look at every street in every town and find somebody who's blotted his or her copybook. So I, I think, I think, I think we, we can be a bit too... Um, concerned about things um, I, mean, I mean later on it, it, it talks about um, not using people's names that might be um, open to misinterpretation I mean Sir Samuel Hoare was a government um, minister in the 1920s I think um, his name is spelt differently from another word of the same pronunciation you know where do, where do I, 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 I think it, it, has, it has been improved in my opinion or in the committee's opinion such that it is less prescriptive Mm. Uh, I just think that, uh, and I agree with Councillor Barker, let's see what comes back. But I think okay. that, 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 that area ought to be thought about once the consultation... So the action up. is to look very closely at the responses to 6.3.7. Yep. Yeah. 
We won't decide tonight, but we'll watch out for it. Councillor Howell? Um, can I welcome the uh, proposal? I, it's inevitable that there are going to be areas that we are going to struggle collectively with because we're trying to put in place a framework that doesn't cover every single wrinkle. And one of the wonderful things about Uttlesford is that we manage to muddle our way through and generally not be too bound by policies. And I'm a great believer in having that flexibility. So I echo Councillor Dean's view that we shouldn't apply this too prescriptively. I can see the merits of trying broadly to ensure that somebody we name a street after somebody who is dead rather than somebody who is living. I think it's a good starting point. I'm pleased to see, and I think I can see it, that the, under 633 that parish and town councils continue to have the driving most important, the effectively the controlling voice. I was concerned initially that the developer appeared to be able to call everything after pretty little things that might appeal to potential purchasers and have no historic context, then we would end up with a homogenised um, suburb similar to Bishop Stortford, or sorry, probably not the right place to use. Um, however, there is one area where I, uh, sorry, and, and on the recycled thing, I would urge us to use things like cast iron and that type of thing. I think that qualifies as, 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 as recycled. But there is one area which I do feel really quite strongly about, and that is 6316, um, which is the proposal that we drop the apostrophe. The apostrophe is a very endangered species, and I, for one, believe it would be a great mistake to drop the apostrophe. I will be uh, responding to the consultation because I think it would be a great mistake to change St Mary's Garden to St. Mary's without the apostrophe, as given in the example here. Sorry? There, there may be, it, it, well, indeed, if there are two churches in the same place, called St. Mary's, then the rule, of course, is where you place the apostrophe after the S. But nevertheless, the apostrophe is important, and it is important for our young to understand the apostrophe. So I would please urge us to, to reflect Well, I, I totally agree with that point. So if we got unanimity tonight, uh, we could strike it out. I agree with you. This is dumbing Ca down. Councillor Howell, if you can find me a street name with an apostrophe, and I'd be incredibly pleased because I can't see any. Okay. Councillor Raz. Hi. Thank you, Chair. I've just got a point on 6.3.7. The use of a name relates to people either living or deceased. Is there a third state? I mean, there are um, some people I've met in the insurance market over, over my career that probably might fall into that point. But if we, in the interest of brevity, can we not just make it people should be avoided as possible? Excuse me. Okay. We take all those points. Sorry, we, we take all those points on board. So um, we do have a proposal, and as I say, the two things I was looking to add under 6.3.7 is suggest add after lived in or closely associated with the town or village and the second bit to the list of uh, acceptable suffixes to add the word yard. Um, so well, well personally I, I would strike out 6.3.16 tonight but I don't know whether I've got cabinet support for that. I'd... Am I getting any more nods on this? Okay. No consultation, Chairman. No. 
this is this is simply English. This is not something to consult about. It's it's just it's it's just it's just it's just good um, la use of language. So I don't think it's a key point. We'll certainly le leave in 6.3.7. We could pick up Councillor Riles' point about taking out some of the words because it is about people naming after people. So I think that's perfectly legitimate. But we certainly won't tinker around with that without consultation. Okay. Okay. But I, uh, All right. I, so I, with those four, um, can we start again? With those four amendments, 6.3.7, we remove the words either living or deceased. 6.3.7. Essential that the person put forward has lived or had a close association with the town or village in question. We strike out the one about apostrophes, wherever that paragraph is, 6316, and to the list of suffixes in 6313, we add the word yard. So, with those, that's my new proposal. Could I have the second of that, please? Thank you, Councillor Howell. So, for my benefit, because I'm sorry, I was just uh, in a separate conversation. I get um, the the yard. I get. Uh, did you I'm include 6.3.16? That's, that's gone. You've changed the words on 6.3.7, yeah. and you've. And we added or closed the association. In here. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Now, I've just been. The reason that I was distracted was that the chief executive was pointing out that um, if you if you don't transfer the apostrophe correctly it does lead to inaccuracies in various data systems. I hear the point, but I think, I think nevertheless that we stay with it, because it should still be the discipline of doing it properly. But I understand what you're saying. It's, it, 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 you either do it everywhere or you don't do it at all. So uh, we'll try and do it everywhere. Okay? Right, good. Okay. Um, so, uh, we've had a, uh, support to the amendment, support to the substantive motion, as amended. Is that unanimous, Councillor Howell? Yeah, yeah, great. Okay, thank you very much. Count, uh, item 13, Saffron Warden Town Centre Culvert Partnership. Thank you, Chairman. Councillor Barker. You will recall that the previous paper to Cabinet outlined proposed repairs to the Slade Culvert, which runs under Saffron Walden. This is to be funded. Everything's Walden tonight, isn't it? This is to be funded by a combination of the Environment Agency, Anglian Water, and Essex County Council, for which we thank them. And the repair should result in the culvert not requiring any further work for up to 25 years. The Environment Agency has approached Uttlesford as the Flood Risk Management Authority, with a view to us setting up a partnership of all riparian owners to build up a fund to monitor the condition of the culvert and to carry out any future works to maintain the culvert in a good state of repair. This paper proposes that the Council starts discussions with the riparian owners about setting up this fund with the Council being responsible for holding the funds and for the monitoring of the culvert and carrying, well, the organisation of any future repairs. So the proposal we actually have is that the Council explores the willingness of all the riparian owners to cooperate over jointly building up a revenue fund using owners' contributions to monitor the condition of the structure Subject to the participation of the owners, the Council would hold the revenue fund for periodic monitoring of the condition of the culvert and any necessary maintenance works over the 25-year period that the full repair scheme is expected to remain effective and any necessary repairs at the end of the 25-year period. Thank you, Councillor Parker. I've got uh, Councillor Howell um, seconding that motion. Those who Councillor Light wishes to speak. Thank you. 
I just have a question here. Um, why 25 years? Would it not be um, better to have a longer term, uh, uh, something that is repaired and will last longer? Um, final hope, the repair might last longer. That's why there will be periodic review. We don't want to spend money unnecessarily. I believe it's £250,000 we're looking to spend on this. I, I can't remember the figures from last time around. It's a substantial amount of money, but work is needed. Um, well, between one and two oh, million. One and two million, sorry, my, mm. my correction. But it is not technically, well, my understanding it is it is the riparian owner's responsibility. You know, the defects have been noted. We will get them repaired. Um, the idea of this is to find out how to move forwards, because those houses have been there a long time. There'll be a long, whether it's 25 years, 50 years, the repairs last. At some point in time, there will be further repairs needed. Uh, we'll ask Mr. Harper, but I think this is the uh, engineering advice that uh, these. So, is that correct, Mr. Harper? Well, I think it would be possible to, uh, uh, technically at least, to, to implement a scheme which had a longer. Um, duration, uh, well, estimated duration, uh, but of course, you know, there's always a trade-off between uh, the capital cost of the works uh, and whether it's affordable. Um, this 1.6 million uh, is affordable in that uh, it is funded by um, the, the relevant bodies, uh, but they you know, the, the maximum funds that they feel that they commit, can commit to this scheme, but uh, it's a sound investment because it will provide protection for 25 years. So I think the answer to that, Councillor Light, is it's a balance between how, I mean, you could gold plate the thing and it would last for a very long time. And if you're doing a standard repair, then the, uh, the estimate is 25 years. It might, of course, last longer and you, you're not going to do work unless you have to, but that's where they've got 25 years from. Councillor Howell. Leader, thank you. C can I support the recommendation? Um, I'm delighted to understand that the Environment Agency, Anglian Water and Essex County Council are funding the repair work. It's a very substantial investment um, and it's to be welcomed. Uh, I and many people have been concerned about the uh, condition of the uh, culvert for many years. I remember walking some of the length a good 15 years ago and the condition then was appalling. It was in very poor repair and in many respects I'm just very pleased that we haven't had a problem. So I'm delighted that the work is being done um, and I think that the council is to be commended for taking a leadership role as proposed tonight. Our ownership is of a very, very small part of the length of the culvert. You'll know from the report that a significant number of property owners are going to benefit from this investment. And I hope that if they will participate effectively in a sinking fund, we will ensure that there is never any question of the culvert collapsing because it would bring Saffron Malden to a halt for a very considerable period of time and we would all be charged and challenged with, well, what did you do? Why were you sleeping on the, on the job? This is an example, I think, of the council trying very hard to anticipate what may be a problem in 25, 30 years' time and ensuring that we have funds in place. I very much hope that the riparian uh, owners participate in this scheme to ensure that we can continue to keep the culvert 
in the condition that it should be kept. Uh, and I very much support this recommendation and thank officers for bringing this forward. I think it is an important um, indication of the leadership role we as a council take. Thank you. Thank you very much, Councillor Howell. Any other points? No. Then we'll, we've proposed, seconded, and had the recommendation written out. Those in favour? Unanimous. Thank you very much indeed. So we now come on to item 14, West of Braintree Garden Community Plan Issues and Options, which was discussed at um, PPWG last night. So Councillors Barker and Dean and myself have already had that conversation, and Mr. Bouchel is going to tell us about the changes that were made last night. Yes, sorry, there's a further document that I forgot to give out at the beginning of the meeting, so I'll just distribute that now. Great, thanks. We'll just pause for that. Thank you, Chairman. While that's coming round, um, as you said quite correctly, this paper was discussed in some detail last night at the Planning Policy Working Group, and that group agreed to some minor amendments to the wording uh, which have been published on the website along with the issues and options document. Uh, for clarity, There's I will... There's one quite substantive change, actually, to the bullet point, which I'm sure you're referring to. Uh, for clarity, I will go through these amendments. Um, a... And we have four bullet points, um, or four amendments. Three are to, to wording, and one is to a, to a removal of a, um, a suggestion. But let, let me go first go through the paper. The paper today asks Cabinet to agree the issues and options document for public consultation and delegates authority to make minor amendments. The paper looks at the possibility of a garden community in Braintree as well as the option for that development to cross the boundary into Uttlesford. The paper needs to be published for consultation ahead of the Braintree local plan being subject to examination, which is expected early in the new year. The publishing of the plan is subordinate to each district's local plan and does not make any presumption of the Uttlesford part of the site being included in Uttlesford's Regulation 19 consultation. The paper looks at how good quality design respecting local character will be delivered, along with excellent education and employment on site. The responses to this consultation will be be reported both back to this council and to Braintree Council and is part of a process that will lead to the production of a development plan document that will have significant status in respect of how any garden community develops. Responses will be considered by each authority to inform that potential plan. So it was discussed last night and if I can now draw your attention to the amendments that have been tabled. Um, Going back to the original document, and this is not the easiest when we're all working on laptops. Um, amendment 1, page 11 of the document, paragraph 4. Um, the current, I'm looking to paper copy here. Bear with me while we do page 2 or 3. Just 11, you said. Yeah. The first sentence is this one. It's different, it's different numbers. Hang on a moment while we find the right pages. No, it's here. It's here. Okay. Paragraph 4. Paragraph 4. Yeah. We are amending... Proposed that... Are not are committed to... 
So instead of are committed to, we're proposing propose the delivery of this garden okay. community. Uh, the sentence did read, Braintree and Uttleford District Councils, together with Essex County Council, is committed to the delivery. Which we are proposing now that that change to Braintree and Uttleford District Councils, together with Essex County Council, proposes the delivery of this garden community. Correct. The second amendment, um, on two pages later, we are Paragraph changing three. from Uttleford District Council supports in the proposal principle. to adding Uttleford District Council supports in principle the proposal. Next amendment adds the word um, regarding the garden village. It will be a healthy we add the word safe place where walking and cycling, etc. And the fourth amendment, which is a fairly significant amendment, there is a question within the document that asks whether the triangular piece of land between the two sites on the Uttlesford side of the border should be included as part of the consultation. And the planning policy working group suggested that it should not be included and that that question should be deleted from the issues and options consultation. Mr Harborough. Yes, um, I'd like Cabinet to be aware that the direction of travel of the master planning work suggests that, uh, that that particular triangle of land could uh, potentially positively contribute to, uh, to the, uh, the, the development um, and whilst you know, inclusion of the reference to that land in the consultation document is not intended to prescribe the outcome of that consultation, nevertheless because the evidence flags up this issue, it is really quite important to, to explicitly ask a question about that, that particular issue, to draw people's attention to it um, and I'm concerned that the Planning Policy Working Group, by deleting that specific question, is, is, is sort of um, shrouding that particular issue from, from examination through consultation. Can I ask why we were not told about that last night? Uh, sorry, I wasn't, I wasn't present last night. So I was the person who asked for this bullet point to be taken out, and I did that because we consulted in Regulation 18 on the map that you see on page 251 of your papers or 59 of the report, the option one map. That's what we consulted on uh, by including that triangle that has a greater impact on the community of Stebbing. This consultation is going to go out to uh, Braintree as well as Uttlesford um, all due respect to Braintree, uh, I'm not uh, belittling the point, but I don't suppose the residents of Braintree care less whether that's in or out. So um, they would just logically see a straight line. Uh, I think it, has, it, it is of significance to the residents of Uttlesford. If it was in the original plan, then that's what we would have consulted on, but it wasn't, and I don't think it should be included. Sorry, um, sorry, Chairman. Can you just can you just explain to me what piece of land this is? Because obviously, have you got page 251? Yeah. So can you see something called Bacon's Farm? Ah, oh, okay. So oh, the, pro the okay. proposal is it's a sort of straight line that fills in that. They call it a wedge. Yeah. 
Has everybody got the... Correct. Correct. Yeah. Councillor Dean. I didn't uh, take part in the discussion on this particular point last night. Um, it, regulate, regulation 18, um, I think, was, is at a stage of general area of search uh, discussion rather than detailed Yes, you can de change them 18 designs, to 19. So you can I, change I, it. I so it's, it's, so I, I'm just trying to work my way through the point that Roger Harbour is making is that it, it, it could well change at some stage. The question is whether, and this is partly is it not because of the different timing of the Braintree process compared with ours, that it might well be in or it might not be in by the time we get to Regulation 19. By the time um, we get is, to is, it, is it this, uh, your concern is that this is jumping the gun, even though it's really a brain tree exercise. So, no, well, so I, I think we need, to, we need to work that one out to be clear it, what it, we're doing First of all, we mustn't doing. think of this as a brain tree exercise. We must think of this well, as no, an Uttlesford and brain tree exercise. No, that's true. That's Sorry, very that's important. true. That's true yeah. um, but you got the other part of it right, which is that you know, we have started a discussion uh, which is very sensitive to the community of Stebbing. Um, and um, I don't think at this very late stage in the process we should be asking a group of people um, on a pretty wide geographic base, uh, we're not exclusively asking the people of Stebbing about this, it's a very much wider base, whether uh, they think it should be included. Um, and I, I, why would you ask that question? It wasn't included, so why ask the question now? Mr. Harbour. Well, the question is still put in general terms because um, there's another bullet which asks the second bullet, uh, are there any specific areas that should be included? So the, the question is still put in general terms. Uh, the fourth bullet just directs people's attention to this specific parcel of land, as I say, because of what the evidence base um, in terms of the master planning work uh, is, is identifying as an issue. Yeah, and I think the first bullet is perfectly legitimate because we're doing a more detailed consultation. This is a plan sitting underneath um, the local plan, but in greater detail than the local plan. So I think that's a perfectly legitimate, the second bullet, but to, to, to draw people's attention to a specific piece of land um, that wasn't in the original um, consultation, um, I... Uh, I do not think is appropriate, but I'll seek colleagues' guidance. Planning Policy Working Group wished for it to be taken out last night, and we have set up that group as our advisers. Councillor Redfern. Well, um, it's not on Braintree's side, it's on our side. Correct. They're, con they're consulting with their, basically their residents and anyone that looks at it from our side of the boundary. I'm a bit, I'm a bit torn here because actually... They're only asking a question, and if it, but I, but then I feel, well, actually, are the master planners planning to include that piece of land? Because if they are, I think that's a bit, that, I think that's a bit cheeky as well. So, well, by, first, first of all, that it's not just them that's consulting. So th this is a joint consultation for Rattlesford uh, as well. What well, this this document is. Yeah. So this is between, from Uttlesford and Braintree yeah. going out to the residents of Braintree. No, and no, it's, it's a, a 
it's a, a document which is jointly being published by the two councils for consultation with anybody who uh, is affected by it, okay. not just um, branch residents. But um, we'd already made the decision not to include this, this piece. Didn't come forward, so. I don't. I, I think I'm with the leader. Could I just seek clarification from Mr. Harper? Um, we are making a decision on this tonight. Braintree are making a decision on this on the 6th of November. Um, we have to. This is a joint consultation. We have to be in agreement. If Braintree's master plan is going to show this piece of land, it's then a very betwixt and between. What happens? Well, I, th I think that would create a fairly constitutional uh, challenge, actually, because. Pardon? It's a joint master plan, and this land is, 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 in, is in Uttlesford. Sorry, so if it's a joint master plan, why is it even being included? Because we've never had it in our, we've never had it in our papers before, so why... But, is well, that, that is my point, but Mr Harper would like to come back again, I think. Yeah, well, um, I mean, in terms of our local plan, uh, we haven't obviously considered the responses to the district-wide local plan. Uh, preferred options consultation. We haven't determined the content of the Regulation 19 plan. Um, and the master planning work is one of the considerations that we need to take into account in determining the Regulation 19 consultation document. I'm not on planning policy working group. I'll go with the flow. I sense the flow is to keep it out. Okay, so it stays out, and the, we, we, we are um, going on amendment one, two, three, and four. Um, okay, you carry on, Councillor Barker. No, I think I've said all I need to, Chairman. Um, the recommendation is that Cabinet agree the amended West of Braintree Garden Community Plan issues and options document for public consultation and that the Director of Public Services be given authority to make final minor amendments to the West Braintree Garden Community Plan issues and occupant document following consultation with the leader. All those in favour? Unanimous. Thank you very much indeed. Item 15, which is... Planning for the Right Homes in the Right Places, Consultation Proposals. Councillor Barker. Thank you, Chairman. Um, over the last few years, local authorities have had ever-changing housing targets proposed to them, and in September this year, a new paper, Planning for the Right Homes in the Right Places, Consultation Proposals, was published. This consultation came up with a standardised methodology for calculating need and a variety of other ideas, as set out in paragraph one of the report. The proposed methodology is meant to be simple, transparent, based on publicly available data and realistically reflect affordability issues around new homes. It proposes to project forward household growth over the next 10 years as a baseline and then adjust this by a factor to take account of affordability issues in the local area. The need would then be capped so that it could not be greater than 40% of the annual requirement in an adopted local plan or where there is no up-to-date local plan, as is the case in Uttlesford, capped at no higher than 40% of their household projections. The indicative number of homes every year, each year, every year, for the next 10 years, is calculated as 740 for the Uttlesford district. If Uttlesford were to have to consider this new number, this would lead to yet further delay in plan making, as much as the evidence base would need to be reviewed yet again. 
Uh, our proposed response, Chairman, is set out at Appendix A, and the recommendation is that Cabinet note the publication of the Government's proposals, planning for the right terms in the right places, and endorse the draft response the Government set out in Appendix A. Any changes to the response subsequent could be agreed between the Leader and the Chief Executive. So do I have a seconder for this? Councillor Ranger. Um, I draw your attention to the, the revised edition, which hopefully you're all looking at. Um, and I particularly draw your attention to the changes that have been added. And I thank Councillor Hargreaves for the contribution he's made to this. Um, uh, so, for example, under question 1A, um, whilst we... Um, support the idea of having a, a transparent methodology, uh, the actual way that uh, they have calculated this has come up with some bizarre outcomes. So, for example, Greenwich has gone up from 300 houses per annum to 3,000. That's an 858% increase. Uh, quite difficult to achieve. Um, and other areas, um, like Barrow and Furness, uh, has now a need of zero. Uh, so, um, uh, sorry, 848%, get these facts right. Uh, so, uh, it, it, the in non-intended outcomes of, of their formula clearly uh, need some revision, which is an important point. And there are, there are other points, but hopefully you have read all of these and certainly um, comfortable uh, um, with, with the changes that have been made. So, any comments? Councillor Dean. I, I have a... Um question, Chairman, in the um, introductory um, report, well, in, in the recommendation, assuming I'm looking at the latest version, it, it says, Cabinet notes the publication of the proposals, da, 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 da. any changes to the response subsequent to PPWG should be agreed by the leader and chief executive. I'm, I'm not quite sure what PPWG is being referred to there. Prior to last night's, right, where reference was made to, this was a matter arising from the previous one. I've, I've sort of lost some, must have lost some sequence there. I, I, think, hmm? I think I should read cabinet. It's, we didn't discuss it at PPWG last night. No, I think night. I should read cabinet. Uh, no, but I, I think the, um, the recommendation anticipated that you might have done. Ah. Well, it would have been on the agenda. We might well have done, but it wasn't, so we didn't. Um, so presumably the person who wrote this report had a fair idea what was going to be on the agenda of PPWG as well. Um, so I think that should read Cabinet then. I agree with you, Councillor Barker. I, I think the intention is, Chairman, that had we discussed it at PPWG last night, that I could have been agreed. But I, I think we can... Um, if we are going to agree this response tonight, it doesn't need to have any changes, so we can take so, out that last sentence. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Fine. Thank you. Thank you, Councillor Dean. Yeah. Councillor Ranger. Thank you, Chairman. I'd just like a piece of clarification, please. Um, our response to question... Bear with me. Yeah, our response to question six... Um, Councillor Barker did touch on the, the transitional arrangements. Do we agree with this for introducing the standard approach? And we said no. 
in the last paragraph of our response, we say, where plan making is advanced and the proposed plan is ambitious and or complex, local planning authorities should be able to continue the current plan preparation. Advanced plan making should be defined as the Regulation 19 local plan has been agreed for consultation. That puts us, to my mind, behind the eight ball that we're not in that state, so we're not at an advanced state if that's the definition. So therefore, we would then have to revert to the new, or go on to the new uh, figures. Uh, I've misread that. I, I think the, the paper itself was predicated on a date of the 31st of March, and you sort of have to be in that position by the 31st of March. Um, so I think this is what this is saying, that if you're sort of there or almost there... Well, that's the, that it's we the almost there point that's absolutely fundamental. So um, the, this council's view is that, whether it's the 31st of March or not, uh, that we are showing sufficient intent and are sufficiently advanced that we would, we would be operating on the previous figure. Isn't that the intention of this paragraph? Yeah. So if, if, if you're saying that it doesn't read like that, Councillor Reid. Like no, it's too precise. In, when it says <coughs> advanced plan making, sorry, it's too Advanced plan making should be defined as the Regulation 19 local plan has been agreed for consultation. We're not going to be there for quite some while, it would appear. So when does this all... We're making our response, but when does the response get embodied into a declaration by the government this is how things are going to be done? So... I understand it's where you're coming. I'm trying I, to find. Yeah, yeah, I understand. I think we all understand what we're trying to say. Do the words actually express that, Mr. Harper? Yeah, the distinction is. I think the response tries to draw a distinction between you've agreed what you're going to consult, consult on in the Regulation 19 version of the plan, but haven't actually yet carried out that consultation and therefore have not submitted. Um, that scenario compared to actually having submitted the local plan. Is there any possibility of changing the words to the Regulation 19 local plan is in preparation? Well, no, because <laughs> that, that, um, that's you know, very lax in terms okay. of uh, requirement on local authorities. Um, we, we can I, look again at the word yeah, to I, make I, sure I, it's I, clear. I think, I think this covers what we want to say, Councillor Ranger, but um, very happy uh, if you go on, take offline with Mr. Harper, and I'll do the same, just to, we know what we want to say, which we're, the, we're in an advanced state, um, and therefore uh, that, is, you know, that is the key point for us. Uh, and don't be pedantic about the 31st of March. Um, but as long as that message is singing through, then, yeah. Okay, we'll take that offline. I think, therefore, we need to add a back-in, Chairman, that um, the fact that any minor members could be agreed between the Chairman and the Chief Executive. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. So that last sentence, in, its, in a slightly changed form, goes back in, Mr Harper? Yep. yep. Any other points? No, thank you, Chairman. That's fine. Councillor Dean. Could I 
Just discuss um, questions 11A and 11B. I, I'm, I'm, I'm puzzled by what, why these questions are being asked. It, it, they, to me, they seem to be saying that uh, you can have the option of a local plan which determines, sets out what numbers of homes are allocated to a particular either neighbourhood plan areas or individual parishes, assuming that they're different. Um, but if, if, you, if the local plan's not doing that, then you've got to apply a proportionate formula to, to in other words, if Saffron Walden's this big, then it gets its quota, and if Stansted's that big, it gets its slightly smaller quarter, quota. Um, and, and therefore, you can't have new settlements because there's nothing there at the moment. I, I just don't understand I, I what think on earth agree that they're question, trying to do. Question 11A is fairly silly. A local plan is evidently set to designate. Um, you know, it's going to decide where the house is going ultimately. And the second question, I think the answer to that is, is oversimplistic. You know, we cannot stick 58,000 houses in somewhere because it hasn't got any infrastructure or it's in a floodplain or something else. And just to say, as you say, Saffron Ward is that big, therefore it gets 10% growth, doesn't work. If the road networks or the floodplains or whatever prohibit that, um, as the response states, this is oversimplistic and ignores planning constraints. Yeah, I, I just feel that perhaps the, the response should say that this is bonkers because, you know, if you're trying to create well, new garden settlements... Well, oversimplistic is, uh, is a planning term for bonkers, but <laughs> I, don't whether, I don't know whether... Oh, is it? All right, then that's fine. <laughs> but um, it, it is quite a, strong, it's a quite a strong sentence. This is oversimplistic and ignores the planning constraints. So it's... it's not just constraints, it's the fact that we've got a strategic plan at the moment which says we want to start afresh in places where there's nobody. I'll let um, Mr Harper... That's what I'm getting at. No, but, but, I, but this is a generic consultation. It's not talking about us and Garden no, I realise that. It's totally generic. So it's saying to, to Manchester, so you've got eight bits of Manchester, do you think you should just say you've got an eighth each? And yeah. we said, no, that's really silly because, um, you know, and, and, uh, if you like, some of that is, is more... Well, they are very simplistic questions. Yeah, well, we're looking simplistic. At, the key word getting is at no is we ought to, the, to educate the civil servants that um, you know new settlements don't fit it, couldn't possibly fit into that formula. Yeah. Or, Do you uh, want to say anything there, Mr. Mechanism. Hummer? Just make the point. This is about neighbourhood plans. Um, I suppose you could bring forward a new settlement uh, through a neighbourhood plan, but it, yeah, uh, it would be. Um, well, I, you, I, that might happen, I suppose, in the context where the local planning authority was not actually able, for whatever reason, to bring forward a local plan, uh, but there was a very ambitious community that wanted to bring forward proposals, probably not on the scale of a, of a garden community or, or, or a new settlement. Uh, and 11B is trying to address the scenario where a local community would be enabled to, to do that neighbourhood plan exercise um, but still plan for the appropriate scale of need by reference to the, the standardised methodology calculation for the local planning authority area as a whole. And you've said no on the basis oversimplistic. Yeah, okay. Any other points? We have a proposal and a seconder, I believe. The Rick. Um, yeah, we have a proposal, Chairman, subject to the minor amendment. That if there is a minor amendment following Cabinet, as agreed between you and Councillor Ranger, um, Mr. Harborough, that uh, that is delegated to you to agree in conjunction with the Chief Executive. 
Yeah, and yeah, indeed. Uh, so, well, there are two changes, aren't there? So we're changing the word in the recommendation to cabinet, uh, and there might be a change uh, thereafter, but that would be covered by that, the, so that sentence you. you just mentioned. Okay, those in favour? Councillor Rofan? Right, okay. So that is carried with one abstention. Uh, there are no matters that the chairman thinks to be urgent. Uh, so that is the end of the agenda. So I thank you very much indeed at uh, nine o'clock, bearing in mind the clock's five minutes slow. Thank you. Mm -hmm.